0: McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight... DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes.
1: If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Sorry, right, folks, we're gonna win so much money on DraftKings this week. Uh, we'll
0: be able to buy out the last year of Cody Eakin's contract. Wow. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Remember, get on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
1: What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan and I'm Taylor, and we are very excited to welcome to the pod today for the first time WKBW Sports Director Matt Bovee. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Guys, I
2: really appreciate
1: it. Absolutely. So, Matt, there is no shortage of things to talk about in the world of the Sabres right now with Maybe the most critical offseason in the team's history, in the team's history, upon us now, with the draft now only a couple of weeks away. We have an expansion draft coming up. We're potentially trading one of the most talented players in franchise history. But before we get to all that, let's talk about the most recent news the hiring of Sam Ventura to the Sabres front office. Something that most Sabres fans and I think pretty pretty much everybody have been kind of waiting on for them to really fill out this front office of course they just had the hiring of Jason Carmanos a couple of months back and now adding a a pretty proven well distinguished analytics mind to the staff what's your general thoughts on that move bringing him on board.
2: Well, I think it's promising just because one, it gets more people back into the building. And as we saw the max exodus last year when they you know, were firing people, now it looks like Kevin Adams is slowly starting to build his staff back up. Of course, he has the connection with Pittsburgh and they had a lot of success there. But just in the hockey world, this is a guy who is really, really reputable. A lot of people think very highly of him. So just to kind of see the Sabres trending in that right, right direction, I'm excited that Kevin Adams realized this was an area that they needed to address. So for me, I think that was the biggest thing. I think it's an indictment that Kevin Adams realizes that they still have a long way to go. And I think that you need to be self-aware and that's promising to me. That's exciting to me. So no, I don't think like Sam Ventura automatically makes the Sabres like, you know, an A plus organization or anything like that. There's still a long way to go, but they're trending in the right direction And when you've been as bad as they have been for so long, That's what we need to see. Just trending in the right direction. Let's get a hockey department put together. Let's get smart people in the building and listen to those smart people because they're going to point you in the right direction.
0: So obviously a lot of people are excited that um, Carmanos is here now in addition to Ventura and hopefully in the next few months and leading into next season, they fill out the scouting staff more. But I think one big question a lot of people have still is theoretically, could there be a, a team president, someone that would be above Kevin Adams, pro- theoretically more experienced, still below the Pagulas, but someone that would take Tim Kim Pagula's spot on the hockey side while well, she might continue to be the team president from a business perspective? Do you see that happening at all, or do you think that's unlikely?
2: I think there are two different answers. Should that be something that happens? Yes. Will it be something that happens? Probably not. I do think that if you could break, you know what, i I'll, I'm going to admit it. I thought that that would eventually be Ralph Kruger's job. I thought that this was going to be a stepping right. stone. He was going to be the head coach. And then eventually he was going to become the team president and he was going to have kind of a, a role where he could oversee everything. And that seems like it made sense based off of his experience over, you know, in the premier league, obviously that didn't work out. <laughs> I think that there to needs the to be exactly. I think there needs to probably be somebody there who's doing that. Now, I don't think like you need one. If you have a stable and competent organization, I don't think you need a president as long as you've got, you know, strong leadership and your general manager is capable of doing all the different things that are required. I think in the role that Adams is in right now, it would benefit him. I think it would help him, but obviously then that person ahead of him is calling the shots. So if they trust Adams as much as it seems like they do, then, you know, he doesn't want that. He wants to be the guy who's making all of those decisions. He wants to be the guy calling the shots. So should there be somebody in that role? Probably. If I was in the building, that's what I would suggest. Will there be? I would be surprised. I think this is going to kind of be the
1: hierarchy that we see. The Pagulas, Adams, and then his staff, you know, funnel them. So I have a two-part question for you kind of based off of this. And before we get into the more, you know, the transactions that'll be happening in the off season, two-part question. First of which is what is your general confidence in Kevin Adams heading into the off season And tying into that, given the timing of the hiring of Sam Ventura, and again, as we've said, this is somebody who's well-respected, especially, you know, with the Sabres, we've been clamoring for some sort of analytics department. So given the timing of this hire and and what he could potentially bring to the table, how much more confident does it make you feel about the upcoming offseason, knowing that they have him now in their corner?
2: So the answer to the first question is how confident I am, and I would say... Are you, do either of you golf? I'm a big golfer. Yes. Do either of you golf? I'm about as confident in Kevin Adams as I am when I'm standing over like a three foot putt. Like, okay, I should, I should always make the putt. And I think that he should be making the right decisions and he will make the right decision. But every once in a while, there's that little thing that happens and you're like, what the heck did that just, you know? <laughs> so I think that's kind of, I'm, I'm confident in Kevin Adams. I am not like overly confident in Kevin Adams and I am not, there's no chance that this guy is going to, you know, write the ship. So I'm confident in Kevin Adams. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. And I do like that he's, you know, surrounding himself with other people who are smart and ultimately who can help them. Now refresh my memory. The second one was about-
1: Given the hiring of, yeah, given the hiring of Ventura, just now like a few weeks out before really the off season just kind of hits. And from what we've been hearing, it's going to hit pretty hard with all the potential moves out there. You know, how much more confident do you feel now approaching this off season with how important it is having somebody as well-respected as him and as intelligent as him in our corner, really?
2: I think it makes me more confident because he can come in with a clean slate and he doesn't have to be tied to any of the pieces or any of the players that are already here. And he can give, you know, genuinely blunt answers on, like, maybe we should be buying out Kyle Oposo or, hey, maybe it's time to trade this. Maybe it's time to finally move on from Rasmus and He is, you know, an analytic mess or, or whatever it might be but at least it's another different perspective. And I think that's what you need. I think Kevin Adams probably has a plan in place, but you know, Ventura and Carmanos, those guys are going to probably say, well, maybe what about this and what about this? And I feel like when you have those conversations, ultimately you figure out what's best for the team and when you're hearing it from three, four, five people, I think it's a lot better than hearing it from one or two, you know, two people. And I do think that Adams needs to be the one who makes these final decisions and pulls the trigger on the moves that they're ultimately going to make. And I, like I said, I, I'm confident that he is going to do a good job, but I'm a little bit more confident because of the people he's surrounding himself with.
0: Yeah. So you, you brought up someone kind of interesting there, uh, Rasmus line in. So he has one year left on his deal. And after, All these years of talking about potential trades, they're almost to a point where, well, they're going to rebuild anyway. He's probably going to leave in free agency. If he gets that far, you might as well trade him and and get what you can, which is a different version of why they thought they should trade him in in the past. Uh, So do you foresee him being on the roster come opening night?
2: No, I don't. And I think that a lot of Sabres fans are probably ready to hear that. But here's the issue. I would have said the exact same thing probably two years ago. And I would have said the exact same thing. (laughs) last year. So I specifically remember in one of his post season press conferences, I think it was a zoom. He said like, you know, we've been rebuilding, but we've been rebuilding for like five years now. And I remember I put the curb, your enthusiasm music after it. (laughs) And basically the minute that happened, I was like, yeah, there's no way this guy plays for the Buffalo Sabres ever again. And sure as hell he was back playing for the Buffalo Sabres. So I will be very surprised if Rasmus Lennon is on the roster in October when the season starts. That said, like, you know, they've surprised me in the past with this guy. And it seems like for some reason he just keeps floating from the next front office to the next front office. And I don't think, I feel like Rasmus Ristelainen is a really, really polarizing player. I don't think Rasmus Ristelainen is a bad NHL player. I think he's, I don't think he's great. I think he's fine. I think he's asked, he's been asked to do too much pretty much for the last five years of his career. And ultimately that's why, you know, the fan base is kind of soured towards him. I think that he could benefit a good team. I think if you put him on a second pair with a really, really like insulated role, or if you put him even on a third pair, he could really thrive depending on the situation. But I don't think that situation is in Buffalo. So I'm just kind of of the mindset, like, listen, it hasn't worked for all these years. He's been fine. He's been an okay player, but it hasn't worked. Like, let's move on. Like, why are we trying to hang on to this one particular guy?
1: Listen, all I'm saying is the emphaticness with which you just said, no, he is going to be gone, made me feel a lot better. You were just like, (laughs) no, he will not be here. So like that makes, you know, Yeah. see these reports where it's like, okay, well, like Taylor had said before, he only has one year left and he seemingly like hates it here. But then it's like a week after he does something like that, you know, Pierre Lebrun or somebody posts like a quote being like, Oh, and sources inside the organization say that their preference is to keep alignment around. And it's like, what are we doing?
2: (laughs) I think, I think Ristolainen could be a strong sweetener for a team that's potentially fishing for Eichel or Reinhardt. Now, it's, it's weird because, you know, that team would already be taking on the $10 million cap hit from Eichel and then you'd be adding on, you know, several more, what is it, like five, five million for Ristolainen? I think it's um, 5.6. 5. 5.6. 5. So, like, that's not a small contract by any stretch, but right. that might be the way for the Sabres to say, like, well, we want this guy plus this, plus this, plus this. And they're like, well, that's not going to do it. You need to throw in this and maybe you need to retain know half of Rasmus and salary or something and because there's only one year left in the deal like that makes sense if you yeah. can get rid of him and ultimately get back a better package but you have to keep a little bit of his salary who cares it's only one year and this team isn't going to be up to the if they trade Eichel and get rid of Reinhardt this team is not going to be up to the cap this year so right. I, I think that's kind of the way that I see the most likely scenario happening but if there's a team out there that's like, oh, we've got this second line winger who, you know, is in a similar situation, needs a change of scenery or a third line winger even or third line center or something. I think that that's a time to jump on a trade and move wrist line.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And you'd kind of brought him up there. I think it's probably worth getting into the the big fish, of course, Jack Eichel, him being on the market. And one of the things that you had also alluded to there and brought up is, in the potential, I mean, of course, $10 million going one way and potentially more with depending on what other pieces involved. It's a lot of money. Um, And also with that being said, it probably increases the likelihood, a lot of people have pointed this out, that maybe you're taking on one or two bad contracts back since you're going to need help getting up to the floor. um, Mm. And you're going to have these young guys, maybe it helps insulate a little bit. Um, And there's a few teams that kind of fit the bill, though, generally for not only that, but also just the general package of what the Sabres should be looking for. So, Matt, can you tell us what teams are you personally looking at that you hope that they can reach out to? And do you have any players in mind specifically that you would like for a return? So it's
2: probably a lot of the same teams that a lot of people have been hearing already. I am not really intrigued by the Minnesota Wild. I see that team thrown around a lot. I'm not particularly sold on that being a destination that makes sense for the Sabres. I think getting Eichel would make a ton of sense for Minnesota. I don't think it makes a ton of sense for the Sabres. Same thing goes for the Columbus blue jackets. I know you've got a lot of assets. They've got goaltending, you know, goaltenders that could help the Sabres. I still don't love that idea either. I think two of the California teams, I think Anaheim and I think Los Angeles, Los Angeles both make just tons of sense. And I think when you specifically look at those two teams, I think L.A. makes more sense to go and try and acquire Eichel. You know, it's a big market. They feel like they're probably a little bit closer to relevancy than the Ducks do. I know the Ducks keep getting thrown around. Like, I don't really understand why the Ducks would want to make this move for Jack Eichel. I don't know why they would want to mortgage so much of their future for one player, especially because they've been pretty bad these last couple of years. Like, it doesn't feel like the Ducks plus Jack Eichel are going to be a team that's even, you know, like a playoff contender. I still think oh, no. that they're just, you know, the Anaheim Ducks. I don't, I don't think that there's that much there. I think that's why I think the Kings are so interesting. Everybody's going to look at, you know, the first round pick has to be included. So like, you're looking at the eighth overall pick. It's a top 10 pick. Obviously you would prefer to have the third pick from Anaheim, but eighth pick is still really solid. And I'm probably only doing the deal. If Byfield is involved. I know a lot of people like Turcotte. I think he's, I think he's fine. Like, I think he would be a good haul. But I think if you're picking between the two of them, it needs to be by field. It needs to be the eighth overall pick. And then it needs to be something else. Like if you want to throw in a salary dump, I know the guys over at expected Buffalo, they did their moxon you know, the other day I was listening to the podcast. They had Jonathan quick in there is their salary dump. That, that's interesting. It's a goalie. You know, he makes like 5.8 or something like that. Like you can take that on for a couple of years, whatever. It wouldn't be great. Right. I just think that, for both sides it makes a lot of sense and i've seen the reports that like oh los angeles is not interested in jack eichel and you know i I trust that reporting but i also think that things change as we get closer to the draft and they sit there and they go oh wow like this makes sense so i think that the kings are probably at the top of my list and you know teams that it makes the most sense for on both sides i think the ducks it makes a lot of sense for the sabers if they're willing to give up the third overall pick you know, we've seen reports out there, you know, Lance Lasowski over at the Buffalo News about how, you know, infatuated the Sabres seem to be with William Eklund. Like if you can somehow leave this draft and get Owen Power and William Eklund, and then you're going to get some other player, whether it's, you know, Zegras or Drysdale or Comtois, whatever it happens to be like, you can get two of those pieces. Then I think it makes a lot of sense. And then the Rangers are an interesting one because obviously there's been so much smoke there for so long. Um <sighs> Like, I think if you're Kevin Adams, you're saying like, yeah, you can have Jack Eichel, but we want Lafreniere. And that's going to scare away a lot of people. And I think yeah, a lot of Rangers others too. <laughs> yeah. And I think like the Rangers, like Rangers fans would be like, are you kidding me? Why would they do that? Well, it's like, if you watch Jack Eichel, he's really, really good. And I know that his stock isn't as high as maybe it would have been a year ago. And there's questions about the neck injury, but it's going to cost you like Lafreniere. It's going to probably cost you a first round pick. If you, you need to throw in, like, I don't know, somebody as a cap dump, whatever, that works too, but uh, yeah, I, I, so I would say the two California teams, I would say LA one, I would say Anaheim two, and then I would say the Rangers three, but it feels like something weird always potentially happens with this, like a team that nobody is talking about just swoops in and somehow trades for Jack Eichel. So, I mean, it's already been a whirlwind couple months with this whole saga, and I feel like it's just about to get even crazier relatively soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems that way. So another, another thing with the off season is I think the first domino has already fallen and that Don Granado has been named the coach full time, got the interim tag taken off. So it, it's pretty easy for most hockey fans to look at last season and be like, wow, the team was a lot better under Granado And the results kind of bear that out for almost every player and in the win column. Yeah. But Being someone that's closer to the team and that covers the team even during a more socially distanced uh covid environment did you see a major difference in how in the enthusiasm or excitement or just general overall feel of the team once granado took over
2: i saw a difference now granted like you mentioned you know it's zoom calls it's not face-to-face conversations but i saw a difference in just like a, a confidence that came off of some of the young players and I think that that was really promising. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Granado is ultimately sticking around. You know, talking to Casey Middlestat when he's in and out of the lineup, he's got a different way about him. He's got a different confidence to his game. And you can see it both on and off the ice when he's playing better. Same thing goes for Rasmus Asplund and Paige Thompson. And these guys who weren't even full-time regular NHL players, and then they started to thrive under Don Granado. And I think the one that's at the absolute top of the list is Rasmus Delaney. Like Rasmus Delin for about two months last season looked lost. We didn't know if he was, you know, trending in the wrong direction. I don't think anybody was ever like, oh, Rasmus Delin going to be a bust. But people were like, well, maybe he's a second pair of defensemen with offensive upside. And then Granado came in and he really started to figure his game out. So I would say one of the differences that I saw was the confidence in the young players. And I think where the Sabres are as an organization, that's, an import, that's important because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, the Sabres are going to contend for a playoff spot next year. They're going to contend for a Stanley Cup. What we need to see next year is continued strides in the right direction with those young players. And if they do ultimately move on from Michael, Reinhardt, whoever it happens to be, they're going to have a really stocked cupboard of young prospects and young draft picks and players. And then it'll be easier to take that next step if all things go according to plan and we've learned in the past things don't
1: always happen <laughs> it's not always happen. no 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 so you had just mentioned uh the last at least roster player that I, I want to talk about man that's Sam Reinhardt um coming off of a, a again just another incredible season where he just seems like he gets better with each year he was by far Probably not even just forward, the Sabres' most consistent overall player this season. And he really, really stepped up, especially after the move to center, which is, again, something that we could thank Granato for that, you know, I feel like everybody has been calling for for the last, like, I don't know, eight coaches or however many Sam has had in his time here. Um, But with that being said, between, you know, him, Ristolainen, and Eichel, the, the big three that have been mentioned about getting moved. It feels like Sam has had the, I guess, the least amount of like definitive chatter like that this guy's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, I could just be guessing on this, but I think if you asked a lot of Sabres fans, more of them would say that they would rather want Sam to stick around than Jack solely because of just how deep the severed ties are right now with Jack and the organization. So I- I'm just kind of curious what your general sense is about where things stand with Sam Reinhardt. Is he going to be a part of this team next year? Are they going to get a deal done and maybe elevate him to a role, like a greater leadership role? Or do you think that he's going to ultimately end up being moved for futures as well as we kind of enter into this rebuild?
2: I think that you have to find out, is he willing to sign a contract extension and for how long? And I think once you figure that out, then you start to have the conversations. He needs to be putting out a feeler. I think, I think Craig Oster is his agent. He needs to be putting out a feeler and saying, like, will Sam Reinhart re-sign with the Buffalo Sabres? And if the answer is yes, but it's going to cost you this much money, then you have those internal conversations. You're like, okay, are we willing to give Sam Reinhart $8 million a season? Or do we want to go and ship him somewhere to maybe a team that loses out on the Eichel sweepstakes. Maybe there's a team that's really snipping around to get a, top, a first line center and they get outbid by somebody. And then they're like, well, Sam Reinhardt would be really, really interesting too. So I am not overly confident in either direction. I don't think that it's a lock. That's like I would say I'm very confident that Jack Eichel gets traded. I would say I'm fairly confident that Rasmus Ristolainen gets traded. I do not know if Sam Reinhardt will get traded. That's a different conversation than what I think should happen. I think the Sabres should trade Sam Reinhardt. And I know that goes against the grain for a lot of people. I know a lot of people probably would say, hey, they should keep Sam Reinhardt. And I I understand it. Like he was their best player last year. He's super consistent and he's still 25 years old. So it's really hard to find those players. But I think if you're going to peel off the Band-Aid, then peel it off and start completely over. That's just my thought. Because I'm thinking thinking if they sign Sam Reinhardt, like unless Sam Reinhardt is signing like a massive long deal, let's say it's like a three or four year deal. Basically, you're tying yourself to that player for the next two or three years. And like even regardless of what happens, I'm still not confident the Sabres are going to be contenders in two years. So if you're not going to fit and turn into a contender within the window of his contract, then I think it just makes sense to go out and get another really great A prospect and potentially even like a top 10 draft pick, you know, it's yeah. tough. It, it, it's so hard to say, not knowing like what the offer is going to be, because if, you know, some team calls and they're like, let's say the Kings call and they're like, we'll give you the eighth overall pick. I'm not saying yes to that for just the eighth overall pick. Agreed, but if they call yeah. and they're like, we'll give you, I don't, I don't want to use this. This is the example they used in the in the expected Buffalo, but they've Turcotte and yeah. the eighth overall pick. And you're like, well, that changes things. Like, yeah, right. right. Or, you know, or same thing. Like, if the Ducks are like, we'll give you whatever. And you're like, no. But then they're like, well, the third, we'll give you the third overall pick for Sam Reinhardt. Then you'd be like, of course. Like, yes, yeah. you're, you're doing that. So it depends on what the offer is going to be. But I personally would be leaning in the direction of trading him because I think that if you're going to burn it down, just burn it completely down and then start over not like, you know, burn it half down or three quarters down and then try and build up a little bit faster.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I mean, Taylor, I don't know if you had any other questions about the roster, but I was going to say it could be a good time to talk about the draft unless you had anything else. Uh, No,
0: that no, not about the roster, but yeah, I, I guess this is a, a good time to ask the big question. Probably people, most people are wondering is it a lock that the Sab- you think the Sabres will take Owen Power first overall, or do you think there's an actual chance they take Eklund or Berniers? I think that they'll take
2: Owen Power, and I think that they should take Owen Power. I'm sure they're having the conversations. You know, I'm sure there's probably somebody in the corner of the room is like, guys, we should take Eklund. Like, he's really good. And there's probably somebody in the other corner of the room is like, we should take Berniers. He's awesome. And I think especially if you're going to trade Jack Eichel, if you're going to trade Sam Reinhardt, like, you do need offensive talent within the organization. But – I also think, like, Owen, you're not going to regret drafting Owen Power. He's just a really solid, strong prospect. And I think he's got a lot of upside. And I just think, like, look at some of these teams that we've seen in the past. They've got these stacked blue lines. Like, you're looking at Tampa. And, of course, they've got all this talent offensively. But, like, they've got Victor Hedman. They've got Sergachev, They've got all these guys. And it's like, wow, like, could you imagine the Sabres blue line with Deline and Owen Power? I I just feel like it's the safer thing to do and then I feel like if you do make a trade then you can start to explore getting one of the other guys that's out there and I think that that's that's a lot of unless like they make a deal like beforehand like if they're you know somehow get like the fifth pick or the eighth pick or something and they like one of the other defensemen a lot also then maybe you can have the conversation of all right let's take Eklund because we're going to try and get Luke Hughes or you know whatever then maybe you have that conversation. But I, I think they'll take Owen Power, and I think they should take Owen
1: Power. Nice. Yeah. Brant Clark is another one that intrigues me in like a scenario like that, too, along with Luke Hughes. Um, so th- assuming then, say that the Sabres do end up moving up and getting the third pick, which uh, either way, I mean, third pick moving back into the top five, it seems like they are trying to get back up there. If you had the opportunity, though, between the two top forwards in the draft, between Veneers and Eklund, I mean, they bring two completely different styles of play to the table. Which of the two would you rather have, at, at least for where the Sabres are at right now?
2: I think that if you're going to get two of the three, I would go Power, and then I would go Eklund, just because I feel like Eklund has the higher ceiling, and I think that you've already got a nice, safe prospect with Owen Power. I think that if you didn't have Owen Power, then maybe you take Veneers and you're like, listen, we're going to have, at worst, a really strong second-line two-way center who molds his game after like Patrice Bergeron. Like, every team would love him. A player ultimately like that, but I think if you're going to get two of them, I think they should take Eklund because I think he swing for the fences. And you know, like, listen, it's been so bad; it can't be worse, like, right? <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> what, like, why not go for it? So, you know, based, on, I, I can't pretend to be like a draft expert. I've seen, oh yeah, snippets of these guys. I get all of my draft knowledge from the different things that I read and the different smart people that I talk to about, like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Or hey, what do you think of this guy? And there's been a lot of buzz about Eklund, and it seems like the Sabres really like him. So I would say Eklund would probably be the play there just because it feels like he's got the higher seat.
0: Right. So, Matt, am I correct in saying that you're a Western New York native?
2: Yeah, born and raised. I grew up in Wheatfield, went to Niagara-Wheatfield High School. I live on Grand Island. So, yeah, I've I've spent my whole life pretty much in Western New York.
0: Nice. Yeah, so I have to ask, how excited were you to get hired uh, at the station that is at the center of one of the all-time classic movies Bruce Almighty
2: <laughs> uh, very you know it's funny it immediately resonates with people and it's even sometimes outside of western New York like if you run into different people and you're yeah it happens wow. like if they're like oh like where do you work or you know you're like oh I'm at WKBW and they're like oh my god like isn't that the Bruce Almighty station <laughs> Yes, it is The Bruce and White Station. So <laughs> I love that movie as a kid and, like, you know, as a teenager, and I never, you know, would have thought that I ended up working at the same place. Uh, TV news works like literally nothing like the movie makes it look. <laughs> you know, like, the Sabres won the Stanley Cup in the, you know, in the movie, and it's like, oh, the Sabres won the Stanley Cup. It's just, like, it's very, very different, but it's, an, it's so, so cool, and, like, you know, over the years I've, you know, got to know John Murphy a little bit and he's like got a little cameo in the movie and I'm I'm, like, that's so cool. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it's for like 10 seconds, but I was in the movie. That's still so cool. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really cool. And we're, it's funny. So the way that like TV markets work and stuff is, you know, our signal basically covers all of Western New York. So if you're in Western New York and you don't even have like, you know, spectrum dish direct TV, Basic cable, a basic antenna picks up Channel 7. Well, our signal goes all the way through Toronto. So in Southern Ontario, actually, Channel 7 is pretty popular just because there aren't a ton of local news options. When you work at, wow. you know, if you live in such a massive city, you know, it's there. Toronto is treated like New York City. So their news in Toronto covers the entire country. So for more localized news, a lot of people who live, let's say, between Toronto and Buffalo, watch channel seven or the other stations just because it's a more localized newscast so you know we would we would joke all the time like our our main anchor keith radford who retired last week was like oh i get recognized in canada all the time babe and like (laughs) how it happens and like with jim carrey growing up on the other side of the border and you know coming up to fantasy island and stuff for vacations and whatnot like he was very aware of channel seven and you know how dominant they were back in the day so that's really what inspired the movie so it's cool. It's cool. But like oh, wow. he knew about Channel Seven, and that's why the movie is basically based in Buffalo with Channel Seven.
0: That's that's kind of interesting. I guess that's why I always wondered why there's that clip with uh, John Candy getting his hair cut in Buffalo back in the '90s, and he's like, he knows the Channel Seven theme and all that. I guess I guess that's why I never would have thought about that.
2: That's exactly why. It's because so many people <laughs> who are in Southern Ontario were watching channel seven, or they were watching Buffalo news, because even if there's big stories that happen in Southern Ontario, like pre COVID, like we would go cover them because it impacts still so many people in this community. So yeah, they were very, very aware. And at that time, like channel seven was a very, very dominant station. So it was, if you were watching local news and you lived in Southern Ontario, you were watching channel seven. So that's how his exposure was. That's how John Candy's was. Um, here, here's a good story. Do you have like two minutes for a really oh, good story? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, for, for sure. Now. So, our, like one of our first sports directors was named Rick Azar. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He passed away a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And I heard the story. It was so interesting. So, Rick Azar was there in the odd for a game against the Oilers, and Gretzky was playing. And he was standing there interviewing Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky looked at him and was like, Oh my goodness, you're Rick Azar. And he was, he was like, I am nice nice to meet you and Wayne Gretzky literally stops the interview and asked for his autograph because his mother was such a big fan of watching channel seven and Rick Hazard yeah he was so handsome so he was like when you sign this to my mother she'll be over the moon that I got to meet you so like literally like Wayne Gretzky Oh my God! Channel Seven sports director and ask for an autograph. That would be like Connor McDavid being like, "Hey, Map Ove, my mom. <laughs> really cute. Can you sign an autograph?" I'm like that's clearly never happened. But oh my God! It's crazy, like how different TV news is, and like how you know how big Channel Seven was up in Southern Ontario. That Wayne Gretzky's mom knew who you know the sports director was back in the day. So I, that's a kind of a cool little story.
1: That is amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Wow. Well, that feels like the perfect place to end it with such a great story like that. So Matt, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on to Straight Up Sabers. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it
1: of course. All right, everybody Well, make sure you're following Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Bove. Make sure you're following us on Twitter as well at straight Sabres and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at straight up Sabres. Make sure you're also checking out our two presenters of the show, the hockey podcast network and Buffalo fanatics on their respective websites and wherever you stream your podcast and make sure if you aren't already, you are following us or wherever you are subscribed to us uh, on your respective platform. So once again, Matt Bove, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody will be back with another episode. On Monday, this has been straight up Savers.